Hello and welcome back to the Statesman Sports Desk podcast. Joining me as always, Jacob Nielsen. Uh, Jacob, how is it going? It's going pretty well. How you doing, Parker? Good, good. It's been a good day. It's been a good day so far. As far as Tuesdays go. As far as Tuesdays go. It's pretty good. It was a good day for Aggie fans, though. Did you see uh, Utah State's new app that they released? Yeah, I, I did see that. I don't really uh, get that hyped for new technology things, but I know you do. So let's let's hear a little bit about this it, app. It's the middle of July. What else am I supposed to get hyped for? I thought it was awesome. It was a pretty cool app. I don't know. It was cool. Well, so what are what are some of the perks of this this new app? So I actually really like it. I on my phone deleted ESPN and all those apps just because, like, for one, I have an addiction to my phone that I'm trying to cut back on, and also ESPN is kind of garbage. So it's nice to just have an app that has just Utah State and it has like notifications that'll tell you when things are coming up. It's kind of nice. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, I have the app, or I guess the old one now. I had two notifications, men's basketball and men's cross country. For whatever reason, I can't tell you why. <laughs> but I was always dialed in on my phone. I'd be like, oh, look, they had another meet. And Cameron Todd got like third place. I'm like, right on. So the app is good. No, it's, it's good. Gets you dialed in. Gets you dialed in. Uh, they do have a new app, though. So if you have the old one, delete it. Get the new one. The, it's, it's a white badge instead of Aggie Blue. So go ahead and move over. It's, it's pretty cool. I, I was playing with it this morning. Because uh, like I said, it's the middle of July. Not a lot of sports are going on uh, at the college level anyways. And so, yeah, that's what I get excited for nowadays is, is a new Utah State app. There's not a lot of sports going on at the college level. There are a ton going on everywhere else. It's, it's pretty busy everywhere else. Everywhere but college, it's pretty busy. Got to give a shout-out to Argentina. We won Copa America over Brazil. 1-0. First time Argentina has won since 1993. And Messi's first major championship at an international level, so it's a pretty big deal. That's awesome. I love how you say we as if you had <laughs> something to do with it, so I guess i got to give you a congratulations, Jacob, on your on your win. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well done. It. Yeah. Well done. Well earned. Um, also, my boy Pete Alonzo, I guess I'll take credit for that as well. The polar we, bear. We won the home run derby. Pete and I just went out there and won it all. <laughs> no, my, Pete's my guy, and he's, he's never going to lose a home run derby again. Parker is. Every single, every single home run derby from now on. Parker is one of the five New York Mets fans in Utah. And yeah, he's pretty hyped over his boy, Pete, knocking him out of the park last night in the home run derby. I am pretty hyped. It was pretty fun. But yeah, there's a lot of sports going on at the professional level. At the college level, though, what we are really getting excited about right now, other than our brand new shiny cool app, is really uh, two things. We have the NBA draft coming up and college football right around the corner. And the draft this year in Logan is generating a little bit more buzz than it usually does. So for the second time in a row, there is a very good chance that we're going to have a Utah State basketball player drafted into the NBA draft. And our boy, the one and the only, Nami Esqueda. It's It's exciting. I don't know, um, I don't know if people really appreciate how good Nimi was when he was here in Logan. Um, he's got the size and the talent like he's just a once in a generation guy like he was so good and so it's awesome to see him showing up on all these draft uh draft projections and like it's pretty well understood like he's he's going to be drafted and that's really exciting for utah state fans yeah if you thought or if you underappreciated nimias keta as a utah state fan like where you were like not watching the games like you need new contact lenses like obviously especially this last year like the offense ran through him like Nemeas Kedek can do a little bit of everything, and 
what's really exciting is he kind of showed that at the NBA Combine a couple weeks ago. Um, and a couple of the uh, the scrimmages, we saw some highlights, and he was hitting some J's. He was. He was showing off his passing ability, and as we know, he's he's scrappy, and he doesn't need to be scrappy. And you got this giant wingspan, and you're seven feet tall. Yeah. Like Justin Bean, he needs to be scrappy. Yeah, <laughs> Justin Bean needs to be scrappy. Like that's his game. Kata does not. Like he's but, he's got the talent to be lazy, but he's not. But he's not. Kata still has that. I don't want to call it the Gata mentality because that's Coach Smith's thing. But that's what it is. <laughs> he does. He does yeah, have that That's mentality. what he's got. And um, we, can, we can call it that. That was his coach. He's not our coach anymore, but he was, he was Nimi's coach. So that's, that's right. Fine. That's right. Still, we can still say that. Yeah. And so to see Nimi's have this Gata mentality at the NBA Combine and just run around and then do all the other things, like have an offensive presence and make shots, that was a really exciting thing to see. And I think that – it's got to be something that scouts have noticed. I've noticed. I'm not a scout, but I've, I've noticed. And here, here's the cool thing, too. When I think about how far Nemius Keita has come as a basketball player, you mentioned he's been knocking down Jays. He's been hitting some, some deep twos and some threes. I mean, granted, it's like the highlight reels that he puts on Instagram, sure. But he's out there working on things that I don't think he's had a chance to work at at the college level. And here's the crazy thing about Nemius Keda. This is like one of my favorite things to think about and to talk about whenever someone will listen to me talk is he came so far from his freshman year to his junior year and he did all that without having a full off season. His freshman year, he's coming over from Portugal. He doesn't get here until late in the season, doesn't get a full full summer. Of course, we all know he got hurt prior to his second year. It was not able to work out that full summer. And then going into his junior year, Obviously, COVID closed gyms, closed the basketball courts and everything. He hasn't had, like, a full offseason to just develop his game. And so now that he has that, especially at a professional level, I think he's going to be good. I think you're going to see him add some weapons that maybe we didn't see at Utah State, like a J. Like, I think he's going to be a pretty good shooter, maybe. But I, it wouldn't surprise me because he hasn't had a chance to work on it at a high level yet. Oh, it's so huge just uh, what he's been able to do since the season has ended. I had a chance to talk to Namias back in April so like right after the tournament and then when he was kind of switching gears looking for an agent and stuff and I asked him kind of just about his career and everything and he's like dude like I had a busted knee like in between my freshman and sophomore year like that's a time where most college players I think personally this could be debated I think that the biggest jump for college athletes is from their freshman to sophomore year and Namias he hurt his knee and he didn't have that. And then he trained in Logan, he did what he could, but not all the facilities were open. So exactly what you're saying. Now he's done, he doesn't have the responsibilities that he does at Utah State to like carry the entire team on his shoulders. So he can just work on his individual game and he can work out with professionals and he's going, you look at his Instagram story, he's going to all these different NBA camps. He was in LA the other day, he's been in New York, he's been in Milwaukee. So he's working out with these teams, and it's the ultimate experience. I think he's taking advantage of this um, this kind of like full offseason that he has for the first time in a while to just really work on his game. Obviously, he has a lot of other things going on. He's a busy guy. He's got the draft combine and, and the draft coming up, but I really think he's working hard. And he's just he's just a hard worker. He's someone who, who likes to get in the gym and work hard. So I think we can expect, you know, once he gets drafted and has a, has a full-time coaching staff, full-time team that he's working for, I think he's going to I think he's going to improve a lot. Absolutely. And what we're really fascinated by is where is he going to get drafted? 
Like, I'm not as concerned, like, what team he's going to, but what place in the draft. Because we've been looking at some of these draft boards, and his name's getting thrown all over the place. Literally all over. I mean, other than other than going second after Cade Cunningham, he's basically finding his way into every spot in, in the draft projections. I've seen him come in at 60. Most recently from Matt Norlander of CBS, he has him going 29 in the first round. That'd be awesome. Yeah, what's interesting is the different websites that are doing the rankings, like from a college basketball perspective, is Matt Norlander. He call it, covers college basketball, and he's had him in the first round, which is as high as I've seen. I like that because Matt Norlander is a guy that's actually followed Keta and knows his game. Some of these other guys that have put out the rankings, such as Jonathan Wasserman for Bleacher Report, he's just an NBA guy, right? So if you're covering the NBA, you weren't watching games on CBS Sports Network at 9 o'clock at night in the middle of January, right? Matt Norlander was watching these games. And the scouts that are getting paid the big bucks, they were watching those games. Exactly. This Bleacher Report dude, he has them going 60th to the Indiana Pacers. That that would be something if Mr. Irrelevant, Sam Merrill, and then the next year, Namias gets it. We could just start like a Utah State tradition. Yeah, I'd I'd take that. I'd be okay with that. If if we could put a guy into the draft every year, (laughs) that could be a cool tradition. Just get a guy into the draft every year, even if it's the 60th pick. That'd be an okay tradition. I think that'd be a, that'd be a good tradition. That, that, I'd that sign up for cream. it. I, I'd be down. No, uh, yeah, you have a good point. Like, especially when most of our games are in the Mountain West time zone or in, out in California, someone's staying up for that. And, you know, nothing against NBA guys, nothing against any of these other guys, but, like, Norlander is legit. Like, he's the real deal. He's been watching. He watches a lot of college basketball. I mean, I, I'm a big college basketball guy. I really like college basketball. If I tried to watch as much college basketball as Matt Norlander, my brain would melt. Like, he, he's legit. He, he knows his stuff. And so to see him putting Keita that high on the draft board, that's pretty cool. I think a big part of what's fueling that, some of those higher predictions putting him uh, late first round, early second round, probably his combine. Because he had a really impressive combine. It's kind of like a Jordan Love story. A lot of people didn't take him as seriously because he's from a small school, played smaller opponents. But what made Jordan Love stand out was his combine. He went in, had a, you know great measurements and had a great combine. Uh, Nimi's kind of doing the same thing. I have Nimi's measurements right here, according to NBA.com. Standing reach, he's the tallest at 9'4.5". Height without shoes, number one again, 6'11 and a quarter. Wingspan, number one in the draft, 7'4". 7'4 wingspan. Like that's that that's crazy. Uh, that that's just a crazy reach and like his ability to use his entire body. Like he doesn't look clumsy out there. Like he has instincts for rebounds. He can shoot. He can pass. And I think that's kind of fueling. You know, his his draft stock is certainly going up. So I always compare Nemias Keta to Rudy Gobert, just because the star center for the Jazz versus the star center for Utah State. Just both of them. I always am comparing them and their similarities. Nemi's from Europe, from Portugal, and Rudy's from France, whatever. But I'm not saying Namias Ked is going to be Rudy Gobert. That's not what I'm saying. I don't think he's going to be. He's going to be better. Is that <laughs> what you're saying? Yeah, you, you, hear, you took hear it right it, out of my mouth. <laughs> you heard it here first. Jacob Nielsen thinks no. that Namias Ked is going to be better than the two-time Defensive Player of the Year. That's fake news. And, and I'll start Rudy Gobert. That's cap, fake news. Nah. Um, I just, when I'm making these comparisons, like, with his length, 7'4", and his height, like he could be a legitimate defensive presence in the small ball world of the NBA. He can counter that. But here's something that he has that Rudy Gobert doesn't. 
and that's a little bit of an offensive game. And and swagger. Rudy's got some swagger. That's true. But Nimi has more. Nimi's got more swagger. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. But obviously, it's a little different um, going up against some 6'9 dude from San Jose State versus, like, I don't know, like, Bam Adebayo, right? But Nimi has proven, like, he has an offensive game and he can make moves in the post. And I just can imagine, like, thinking about the Jazz and the playoffs against the Clippers, you know, they go the Clippers go small ball. How the Jazz could have countered that is they just feed it in to Rudy Gobert, right? And he can catch the balls. They didn't trust him to throw it up to him. Like, they didn't trust his offensive presence. So, Nimi, if he gets thrown in certain situations like that, if he carves a role for himself, he can have that impact on defense. And then I trust his ability, which is only going to enhance, like you said, to catch the ball, make a move, make a spin, take a J, and put it in the hoop. And so that's that might help him carve out a spot in this league legitimately. Yeah, that's true. And you talk about situations, Nimi's been thrown into just about anything imaginable. As a freshman playing more of a complimentary role to Sam Merrill, to his junior year where the offense just completely ran through him. So not only has he shown like yeah, he can put, you know, he can put up numbers, but he can put a team on his back offensively. Like the offense can run through him, but it also doesn't have to. He can be there as a complimentary player to, you know, high percentage shooting guards like Sam Merrill, Brock Miller, or he can be the guy you know and that granted that is at the college level but you can't teach that you can't you can't teach being the guy so that's something I think he has that a lot of a lot of people don't and obviously you know we do we really need to talk more about what he can do on the defensive end I think his his game says more than we ever could I I think that's going to translate into the NBA if you have any doubts about what Nimi can do on the defensive end just watch the second half of the Utah State Colorado State semifinals of the Mountain West Tournament 2021 and all your doubts will be set aside. We also want to bring up, before we finish this segment, another NBA dude from the Aggies is playing in the NBA Finals. Playing might be a strong word, but he is a part of the NBA Finals in our boy Sammy Buckets Merrill. What do you think about that, Parker? Hey, he got in. He played a full minute. He played more minutes in the NBA Finals than Carmelo Anthony, so something. That is something. <laughs> <laughs> that is something. No, but, I mean, that's awesome. Like, the last time, uh, this, he's the first Utah State basketball player to play in the finals, as far as I know. I didn't look that up before, so don't hold me to it, but I can't remember one recently. Definitely not recently. <laughs> um, I I should look into that, because I'm not sure. Yeah. I I don't know if I'd bet money on that, but <laughs> I bet that that's a likely scenario. He's no, it's, it's really cool. I mean, yeah, he's not getting a lot of playing time but he's in an organization that's playing in the finals. That's just awesome. Like, that's something that every Utah State fan should be pretty proud of. And, yeah, pay attention to it. Even if you're rooting for the Suns, you should root for the Suns to be up 40 so Sam can get in and play. But you shouldn't be rooting for the Suns. I, the Suns are the Jazz's enemy. If you're a Utah guy, don't cheer for the Valley in Phoenix. Like, give me a break. Just cheer for Sam Merrill. Yeah, just cheer for Sam Merrill. I don't care who wins as long as Sam Merrill hits a buzzer beater. To win, so I guess I do care who wins. I want Chris to win. <laughs> and do y'all? Let's let's be real with ourselves. Do we want Chris Paul to get a ring? Um, kind of. Kind of. Oh yeah, you're a bit. you're kind of a Sans Chris Paul guy. I think he's a punk. I think he's a punk. Can't stand watching him play, and I can't stand Devin Booker. So yeah. I, okay. Well, I, I guess put it this way: Would I rather have Chris Paul get a ring or Sam Merrill get a ring? Easy. <laughs> Sam Merrill. No said. No, I, I'm definitely rooting. I'm definitely rooting for Sam to have a good NBA career. I, I think he will. Like, I don't think he's going to be uh, an NBA superstar. I mean, he's already been in the league for a year. He's not getting a whole lot of time. But 
I think he's he's a good shooter. He's a guy that players and coaches seem to like. And I think he's going to have a pretty – I think he'll stick around. I think he'll find a way to, to be a role player, uh, whether or not it shows up in what we can see. I hope you're right. I hope so too. I – well, I don't know what I think. I don't see him being in the NBA too much longer, if we're being honest. But I won't – Sam, please prove me wrong. Um, I do have one thing that bugs me. The Bucks got to be – I don't got the numbers in front of me. They got to be one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the league to, like, be in the finals. And to know if I take away all the logic of, like, Sam and, like, some of his weaknesses, I'm just thinking, like, dude, you got just a killer on the bench, just sitting on the bench. Like, you need a three, he's going to come in and not drain one in somebody's eye, right? Yeah. And so when they're missing all these threes in the finals like they were in, like, game one and game two – just that like makes me want to pull my hair out. Yeah. Like, man, just put got, Sam in. Just put Sam in. Just run the offense through Sam. <laughs> just, yeah, just take it back to the Mountain West Championship, put him up top, <laughs> and then drop the four to the baseline and just let the magic happen. Yeah. Just watch it unfold. And and the magic happens. Sam, Sam was fun to watch at the college level. I, I miss him, and I, I think he's he's fun to watch at any level. But, but, yeah, for the first time in, again, a long time. I should have looked this up, but I don't know. When was the last time Utah State had two back-to-back players drafted? I don't know. I think it's happened before, but I mean this is just an exciting time for Utah State basketball. Nemius Keda gonna be drafted. It's just a matter of where, you know, anywhere from 29 to 60 is what I'm currently seeing on reputable sports outlets. So it could be anywhere. I think he's gonna be drafted. I think it's just a matter of when. But just such an exciting time from Sam Merrill getting drafted last year, this year playing in the finals. Keda definitely gonna go this year, and let's see where he lands. I will say you you said at the at kind of when we brought this up you don't care where he goes. I don't care what team he goes to necessarily. Like I'm going to buy the jersey no matter what. But if I had my way, I'd love for him to go to somewhere like and you might hate me for this, but I'd love for him to go to somewhere like Phoenix <laughs> or Miami, Utah, somewhere where it's just a proven coaching core and just a front office that cares about players that can develop players. That that's what I want just for him in his career. I don't want him to get stuck playing for a team that's just always tanking. Something like that. So I just hope he plays for a good coach that cares about his career and a front office that wants him to succeed. Other than that, I'm I'm happy for him. I agree with you. I don't want him on the Orlando Mag- the Orlando Magic or the Detroit Pistons personally. I don't think so. Last thing I'll say about all this: what great representatives for Utah State University, Emias Keda for his country of Portugal, Sam Merrill for Utah. Right? These are two just outstanding guys that are succeeding on the biggest level in the sport, right? And for them to be representatives of Utah State, I think it is huge for our university. And hopefully that Ryan Odom can tap into that and be like, look, like I wasn't here, but we got two guys in the NBA. And if you want to be in the NBA, come through Logan. So, yeah, I'm excited to see for sure what happens with Nimi sure. and yeah. Sam going forward. Great ambassadors of the game. Uh, we're so lucky to have had them both come through Logan. As you mentioned, uh, Keita coming from Portugal will be the first player in the NBA born in Portugal. Uh, so just a, just an unbelievably fantastic ambassador for the game. Great guy. And we should feel lucky to, to have had the chance to watch him play. And it should mean a lot when they get to go play on the next level. Absolutely. All right. Utah State kicks off football in 53 days. So I want to start getting into that. I want to talk about that. First, though, I did get some... Uh, I got some comments and some feedback on, on our last podcast, and I want to address one thing. Because last, last week we were talking about how uh, NIL might serve as an advantage to certain schools who abuse it, and I immediately called out BYU because that's kind of 
what I do because we're not BYU fans around here. But I, I had somebody comment, comment and say, I don't think the athletic director, I don't think John Harwell cares about BYU. I think he was probably referring to Boise State. That's a pretty good point. I, so I do think that... As John Hartwell as, cares about BYU. That's I'll assure I, you that of that. That's what I was going to say. I, I think as far as competition goes, obviously the Boise State game means a lot more. They're an in-conference rival. But as far as recruiting goes, we, we do compete with BYU. We go toe-to-toe with BYU all the time. So, yeah, I, th- I think there were other schools that he was talking about, Boise State being one of them. They have donors with deep pockets. They're a competitor of ours. But I think just because BYU isn't in our conference doesn't mean we're, we're not a direct competitor with BYU. Parker, I can assure you, the athletic department, their focus is on succeeding in the Mountain West. All their goals are surrounded by the Mountain West. None of these coaches are like, our goal this year is to beat BYU in this sport. Oh, absolutely not. But at the same time, I know, I would say it's a fact, our athletic department disdains BYU they really do these guys we don't like BYU and that's from the top to the bottom just just including me including you (laughs) and yeah I I'm more of a BYU apologist than than others I don't hold the same disdain but that it runs through the university from top to bottom that's part of our DNA it's part it's part of the DNA so yeah so yeah and and when you watch those games like yeah they're emotional but at the end of the day uh, the real competition we have with BYU isn't on the field, it's not on the court, it's in the recruiting field. I'd agree with that. Yeah, the recruiting trail is what I was trying to say. That's where we're competing with BYU, where, yeah, Boise State, they're a huge competitor of ours. We need to beat them, but we need to beat them on the field too. So, yeah, it, it's a little bit different of competition, but, yeah, I mean both. We want to beat them both. We want to beat everybody. Those two. Utah State against the world. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, so let's – Let's do. Let's let's talk about football. We talked a little bit about football last week, and we talked about how we're excited about specifically for Utah State season, and we're excited about Coach Blake Anderson. So let's dive in and talk about why are we so excited about Blake Anderson and his staff. Well, we t- we touched on this a little bit last week, but we're gonna go into more detail. We're just blown away with the guys that Blake Anderson hired to be his top assistants, and with the pool of money he had, I don't have the number off the top of my head. I have it written down somewhere, but I want to say he had a pool of $1.5 million to spread across all his assistants for what he's done with that $1.5 million and with all the studs that he's gotten to surround him. It's pretty remarkable. Like, yeah, 1.5 million sounds like a big number. That's not a lot of money at the level of football that we're trying to play. That's fair. That's a good amount that the university has allocated, but what he's been able to do is very impressive. I have a confession to make. Did you mess up? I messed up. Yeah. Do we need to kick you off the podcast? I guess so. I can run it solo for the rest of the day if I All right, I'll, I'll leave. It's cold in here. I don't no, want to be here. Well, what was the correction? <laughs> the pool is $2.5 million, 2.5. which is actually a very big difference. Substantially more Substantially than 1.5. Substantially more than 1.5. <laughs> 2.5 is the pool. I had that written down in a story, but... Okay. Yeah. Just mi- just off by a million or so. Just not a big deal, right? And, th- and that's the story you wrote when you got hired, right? Yeah. This is a column I read in February. Okay. So. Yeah. Cool. Lots of good information in there. We'll link it in the show notes. I've read it. It's good. Thanks, man. Just talking about. Oh, of course. You're you're not kicked off the podcast. I'm sorry. You can stay. Oh yes. Thanks okay. But yeah. So we'll we'll link that in the show notes. Uh, so you go ahead and t- uh, take a look at that as well. But first, let's go over who we're talking about because we're, we keep talking about all these guys that we're excited about. We haven't name dropped anybody. So so uh, Coach Anderson is the the head coach. Um, his offensive coordinator is Anthony Tucker. Uh, well, offensive coordinator and quarterbacks should be should be noted. Anthony Tucker, defensive coordinator uh, Ephraim Banda, 
Ephraim Banda. So th- those are his, those are his coordinators, and we're we're going to talk a lot about those guys. Uh, we, I mean, we're going to talk a lot about them a lot over the next months and years, probably. Let's first go over Blake Anderson. What what about Blake Anderson jumps out at you? Previously at Arkansas State, the Red Wolves. Well, Blake Anderson is a very fascinating man that has been through more than your average Division One football coach. Our buddy at the Deseret News, Jeff Hunter, he just wrote a really awesome story about Blake Anderson that it's, it's a must read. It's well publicized that a couple years ago, Blake Anderson's wife died from breast cancer. And pretty much he's publicly said, like, I am coming to Logan to get a fresh start. Arkansas State, they drastically decreased his buyout as it was a really cool deed from them. So I think it was only like $100,000 instead of, I don't know, I'm not good with numbers today, so I'm not going <laughs> to like definitively, but it was a substantial decrease in his buyout. So they were like, okay, move on, come out here. And just for him to, you know, he lost his wife and then he lost his father and to now like stand up and be like, no, I'm going to keep going and living my life. I think it's awesome. And he's remarried and um, now he is a stepdad of two girls. And so I think just the person of Blake Anderson is a really, really fascinating man. And it's courageous what he has been able to do in these past few years because of what I'm sure the pain that he's gone through, which I can't even even fathom. And to now be like, no, I'm going to move forward and I'm going to go build something great somewhere else. And so that's what he's trying to do here. And it's, it's cool. Like if I'm a recruit, and you got Blake Anderson looking me in the eyes. Like, that's a dude that's been through the thick of it. And that's a guy that if he says, I got your back, or if he says, like, we're going to go through this together, you know that he's not lying to you. So I, that's just my initial, just the man, Blake Anderson. I've been really impressed with him. I have, I have too. He's, he's one of those guys that just has, uh, has one of those stories that it's just captivating and it's just it's touching it's he's he's just such a good guy so such a strong guy to be able to go through all that um, just on a personal level I mean without even getting into what he's been able to accomplish on the field um, certainly he has been through a lot um, but yeah I mean he's coming from from Jonesboro uh, coming into Logan to get a fresh start what were your first impressions of, of that hire when John Hartwell introduces him so, so I know Excuse me. I knew who he was, right? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, with the story, but then also, like, he'd been in the Sun Belt for a while in Arkansas State. They won the Sun Belt one year. Like, they had just beaten Kansas State this yeah. year before they got ravaged with COVID. Like, this is a dude that is a respected coach. So I knew who he was. Um, I didn't have any indication that he was coming, or it was a surprise to me. And obviously, when he came, it was right after the whole boycott mess of the game. Yeah. because all the alleged yeah. comments and that was just such a mess and it was just right and so I think that Blake Anderson was just such the perf- such a perfect guy to just come in and be like all right like now we're not only is he starting fresh here the team's kind of got to start fresh right exactly, exactly. Right? and so for them to kind of start fresh together is been very good in the offseason and just yeah just his upfrontness with the players and we talked about this last week but i've had players tell me like he convinced me to come back yeah he really came in and like i we talked about it last week like he had his work cut out for him he had a job to do from the second he landed and i think 
he's done his job so far. I mean, we haven't played yet, but he's done he's done his job so far. My first impression of him when he when he was hired, um, he's not necessarily one of those guys that you had never heard of. He's not like one of those like, oh, where does this guy come from? That John Hartwell is sometimes known to, to go out and hire. But he's also not someone I think that was on a bunch of people's radars. He's not coming from you know a Power Five school or anything like that. Uh, he's coming from a respectable team and a respectable conference, but it's also a guy that you probably didn't know a lot about if you weren't really paying attention. But the more I started to look into what he had done at Arkansas State and the more I just listened to him talk, I mean, I, I'd run through a brick wall for this guy already. I remember when he was hired, I was working at a retail store here in the Valley, and I called in sick just so I could watch his first like interview with Scotty G. And I, it, I was just so excited. Like I was more amped up about football in that moment than I ever thought I could be after going through that season of 2020. And I was like taking pictures of like me watching it on my laptop. I'm like taking pictures of the screen, like snapping it to my friends. I'm like, dude, this guy's for real. Like I'm stoked for this guy. I'm like sending it to my Utah friends. I'm like, like Utah fan friends. I'm, like, oh, you guys got to start playing us again. Like, or this is going to be legit. I'm sending it to my BYU fan friends. Um, like you guys are, you know, I hope you enjoyed the easy win. Cause uh, you know, it's, we're, we're coming back. Like, it, it, he was just that kind of guy. Like, it was just, like, a magnetic personality. And, like, I just couldn't get enough of it. Like, he was just such a he, – he knew he knew what to say when he got hired. And he knows what he's doing. And I'm excited. Like, he just seems uh, smart. He knows what he's doing. He's, he knows football. He knows his people. You know, that, that was kind of my first impression of just, like, him and Scotty G. You know, Scotty G's an Aggie legend. And, you know, our brand-new football coach just kind of talking. It was awesome. That was my first impression. Yeah, um, he certainly carries like a presence to him, just like in interviews and talking. Like, definitely like a respectable dude. He does. He yeah. does. So that was that was kind of like my first impression. My first impression was soon overshadowed by what he was able to accomplish immediately and some of those coaching hires. After the excitement of having a new coach kind of settled and he really started to get to work, that's what started to really impress me. It's like he's bringing in dudes from the SEC. He's bringing in dudes from the South, and he's bringing dudes from all over. Uh, a lot of times you'll see a coach move, and he'll just take his entire staff and just pick it up, move it, land it right in his new school. Ryan, Ryan Odom did Ryan that Odom did just it's not, it's not a bad thing. But this guy, Blake Anderson, he, he's well-connected, it seems. like He's bringing in guys from all over. Uh, so let's jump in. Let's talk about Anthony Tucker, our offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach uh, that Blake Anderson was able to bring in to Logan uh, so this will be Anthony Tucker's first year at Utah State. He's coming in from UCF, who's had a lot of offensive success in the past few years. Uh, what what stands out about Anthony Tucker to you? Well, Anthony Tucker, he's a quarterback guy. He's a throwing guy. UCF has been really successful. And um, Anthony Tucker, when he came in to UCF, um, he was, I believe he was just the quarterback coach. And he served a purpose and he was desirable enough that he got promoted to co-offensive coordinator. And then he was in charge of the running backs, which is interesting because he's the quarterback coach and he has this great passing base. But to be the co-offensive coordinator at UCF, which is top tier G5 place, and he's helped, he was a part of their run when they went undefeated and beat Auburn and their undefeated season, their national championship season, I might add. And he's, yeah, he's been in the thick of it and he knows how to produce winning football teams at the group of five level, which is what the goal is here. Exactly. And so, yeah, so he, he aligns nicely with Blake Anderson and Kyle Cephalo's vision of throwing the ball around the field, but then he 
he's done it at a really high level mid-major or G5 yeah, program. Yeah, high, so. high mid-major, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he, he knows how to get winning football programs out there and winning players, too. I mean, this is the guy that is at least partially responsible for Mackenzie Milton. Uh, who's a who's fantastic quarterback? So yeah, I mean this this is a guy who he, he knows how to get winning football on the field. He knows how to get his play, get the most out of his players. That's huge. So and then just uh, as as a matter of information, he's also coached at Colorado. He's been at Idaho State, Arkansas State, Maryland before landing at UCF for a while, and now Utah State. So another guy who's been out west. Idaho State is not a team that we compete with, but it's all about learning the culture out west. And it, it can be a unique culture. Utah and Idaho can have a unique culture. So it's good that we have somebody who's been in Colorado, been in Idaho, and can understand that. I want to say Anthony Tucker's from California. I think he is. He's His first coaching gig was actually a high school in California, Lakewood yeah. High School. So he's, he's where he got to start. So. He's, a, he's a West Coast guy. And one thing I want to add, Blake Anderson's brought these coaches from all over, but they've all crossed paths before, right? Like it's it's connections and it seems like he's been kind of he had just like the fresh whiteboard to like sit back and be like all right of all the coaches I've worked with in the past eight years like who do I want to bring here and Anthony Tucker was a guy that was at Arkansas State for three years from 13 to 2015 and so he's he's the guy that he's the offensive coordinator he's coming in yeah yeah no and it's not like he was just scrolling through his phone he's like who's going to be available who's not doing anything this next year oh Anthony Tucker like these, these were, these these were like carefully planned hires. Mike Sanford wasn't doing anything. Yeah, what's he up to now? <laughs> he knows. <True. laughs> Never mind. Um, yeah, moving on. Let's Mike, talk. you want to get on the show? <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk. You from uh, Banda, um, because let's just move right on. <laughs> let's keep going. Um, from Banda is our defensive coordinator here at Utah State. Again, in his first year here at Utah State, was brought in by Blake Anderson. And John Hartwell previously was at Miami, not Miami, Ohio, the U of Miami, the real U. The oh, okay, we're going there. <laughs> I see what you're saying. That's right. Yeah. No, Ifrayam Banda. Pretty excited about him. One of the things that I'm most excited about. Obviously, he was the co-defensive coordinator at Miami, similar to how Anthony Tucker was the co-offensive coordinator, and. Maybe this is something I should have pointed out with Anthony Tucker. He has those Florida recruiting ties, which is advantageous. But even more so than Tucker, Banda has these really great ties to Miami. He's had a lot of success. They signed some big-time guys when he was at Miami. He was kind of the main recruiter for James Williams, who was a, he was the number one ranked safety in the nation. Right? He could have gone, take your pick, Bama, Clemson, Ohio State. He's Banda and the coaching staff there. They got him to the U, and yeah. So that's that's the thing that stands out to me with Banda. If I'm being honest, I don't know a ton about his defensive philosophy. I was about to find out. You know, actually, I was trying to get an interview with Banda last week, but uh, didn't work out. Didn't and work so, out. Ephraim, if you're Coach Banda, if you're listening to this right now, hey, we still we gotta meet because <laughs> let's chat. Yeah, because I got a lot of questions for you. I want to hear about the turnover chain, how that came to be. And I honestly don't totally know like what your defensive philosophy is, and I'm trying to figure that out. But what sticks out for me is he's a heck of a recruiter, and he's proven that already at Utah State. Absolutely. The, yeah, the turnover chain is awesome. I hope he brings something like that to, to Logan. I mean, we, we can't just copy everybody else and do what they do, but, I mean, that'd be cool. Um, you, you mentioned the uh, uh, James Williams, the number one ranked safety. He actually did that two years in a row. Uh, Bondo was able to land the number one ranked safety two years in a row. So, yeah, I mean, he's a recruiter. He knows how to get guys to come play for him. 
maybe the turnover chain has something to do with it. I think like if I'm if I'm the number one safety in the world, like I want to go where I can go put on the turnover chain if I get a pick. That's that that would work for me. That'd be enough. Yeah, that's it's enough set. Like you get this gold chain with the giant the real you on it. Like, <laughs> but I think up here they're gonna need something maybe like a like a farmer's pitchfork or something or a like turnover yeah pitchfork or yeah. like a rifle. What's that like? Oh, a rifle would be good. Rifle would be cool. Yeah, like we just Bridger's rifle, but just like a we just shoot out like. <laughs> Vomachan and gets a pick and he just shoots off like the <laughs> rifle in the air just electrify the crowd I'm That'd for that cool. yeah cool. there's a lot of cool things oh yeah we could, we could do something uh, you could bring a kitchen sink from Andy's I mean, and yeah, just we lift could do, it up uh, we could do something like old E from the bear I mean we got Kochi from Banda oh you know, like some bear, bear claws or something right, we're on the right track with this we're on the right track yes yeah no I'm, I'm, I'm stoked anytime you're bringing in coaches from Miami that's that's a good thing. The other thing that kind of stands out to me is he was the co-defensive coordinator at Miami, taking really only a slight promotion, coming to be the defensive coordinator. So not quite a lateral move in terms of job title, but not really a huge promotion either. Um, so a semi-lateral move in terms of job position to come to Logan. So he's leaving the nice sunny weather in Miami. He's going to come to Logan. Something special is happening in Logan. Coach Anderson's behind it. Ephraim Bonda's on the front lines. I mean, you're bringing in... You're bringing in a guy who knows football in Florida. Recruiting is huge in Florida, so it's it's big. If you can if you can recruit Florida, Texas, keep the guys at home at home. That's going to be a pretty good football program, honestly. Absolutely, yeah, and that's something that tickles my brain. Like, got 2.5 million dollars in this pool, and I've actually I've reached out to the public offices at Utah State, and I'm like. I'm not going to give away my secrets of how I find information, but I'm going to try to figure out their con their contract information because I'm really fascinated that like how much of a cut did they take to come out here because it yeah. seemed like Tucker and Bondo were not two dudes that were like on the brink of getting canned and like going down and like no, having no options. Yeah, like they they were on the uptick and this is a promo promotion, right? But financially, is it a promotion? That's the, That's question. the question, and I'm That's I'm really question. curious. So we're going to find that out. And let y'all know. But and what what I really want to know is that the contract is relevant and it's interesting. But I just want to know what that phone call was like. Like how fired up was Coach Anderson, where he's like, "Look, let's just why don't you come out west and let's just let's just tear apart the Mountain West. Like let's just let's just win the Mountain West together. Like that that was probably such a cool conversation. And I like people forget that the number one phase of recruiting as a head coach is recruiting your assistants. And these these are both five star recruits, I think. His recruiting class, ten out of ten so far, with it, with the coordinators he was able to bring in. Yeah. And then the other guy that I wanted to bring up, the assistants that he hired, is Paul Jackson, yeah, who is the Paul strength Jackson. coach. And that dude, it's kind of a scary dude. I ain't gonna lie to you, but him, I wouldn't want to fight him. Yeah. I wouldn't <laughs> fight Paul Jackson. Yeah. I don't. I think the two of us couldn't take him, honestly. I think the two of us couldn't take him in his sleep with his hands tied behind his back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he yeah he tears to shreds. But he's another guy with a plethora of experience, right? Spent, High level experience. He spent eight years at Mississippi University, of Mississippi, Ole Miss, Ole Miss, Ole Miss. We're talking Ole Miss here. He was the strength coach for the boys that 2014, 2015. They went to back to back New Year's Six Bowls. One of those years, they got smoked by TCU in the final. Because TCU, they should have gone to the College Football Playoff in 2014 the inaugural year they should have been there over ohio state they got robbed thrown in the sugar bowl they kicked the crap out of Ole miss nothing that uh, paul jackson could have done about that but sec for 
nine years because almost eight years and then the last year was in South Carolina so that's an impressive pedigree SEC and football go together like America and apple pie like, like chicken this, and waffles like chicken and waffles this guy this guy's been coaching in the SEC for nine years eight years at Ole Miss during good years we're not talking like oh yeah he just made a quick stop at all year at Ole Miss during a rebuilding year he was there for eight years. 14-15, really good teams. I mean, this guy's been the strength coach for high-level teams, really good teams. He's coached with really good coaches all over the country, but especially down in the south, Ole Miss, South Carolina. Um, before that, he was at Southern Mississippi. Golden Eagles. Golden Eagles. Paul Jackson was at Miami. This time it is Miami, Ohio. He was not at the uh, Miami, Florida. He was at Miami, Ohio. Um, and he was, at, he was at LSU for a while as well. So, I mean, this guy's been at good football programs he knows what a good football program looks like and he knows what it takes in the weight room to get there yeah and that's one thing i wanted to add is maybe if you're just kind of a fair weather football fan i don't think you realize how important the strength and conditioning coach is this was something that blake anderson he was very upfront with in his first press conference of like hey we need to be the toughest team in the conference. And to do that, it starts in the weight room, right? And with Paul Jackson, here's the deal. In the offseason, the assistant coaches and everybody, they're out on the road recruiting. They're doing this and that. There's stipulations on when they can practice. The players are with Paul Jackson and his crew this this whole year, this whole offseason. They've been in the weight room with Paul Jackson, and that's they've developed relationships with him and his staff. And that's really where you're going to see some of this tangible improvement from one year to the next is what happens in there, right? It is massive to have a dude that knows what he's doing because it's football, all right? It's iron against iron, right? Yeah. And, and so talking to players and stuff I've heard from others, these guys are like, dude, like this is next level compared to some of the, the workouts they've been doing under yeah. Gary Anderson. This is just a whole nother level of of effort and of intensity and the hope is that'll pay off in the fall translating right? the on the field but like football's not easy mountain west football's not easy winning games is not easy so why should training be easy like i think i think paul jackson kind of has that mentality where he's he works his guys hard and like it's not often that one of the coaches you're most excited for is a strength and conditioning coach like like don't get me wrong like i'm excited about every single person like we could go down blake anderson's hiring sheet and I'm going to be stoked for each and every one of them. There's no one that I'm not excited for. But it really tells you something when, like, one of the guys that I am most stoked for is Paul Jackson, the strength and conditioning coach. That just tells you, like, who this guy is. Like, this is not – like, this isn't some high school fit-for-life teacher that knows kind of how to bench press. <laughs> like, this is a guy who knows how to get guys bigger, faster, stronger. I'm stoked. Like, he's one of the guys I'm most excited about that we brought him in, Paul Jackson – strength and conditioning because that's that's where it starts like it starts in the weight room and he's good like he knows how to he knows how to run a weight room he's done it in the sec he's done it at Ole miss for years yeah unless uh you're the strength coach at the university of iowa or like wisconsin you know these big old corn and farmer midwest schools with the big white boy linebackers like you don't hear strength and conditioning coaches getting brought up they strength they and conditioning coach they're the dudes that like <laughs> Hold the, the head coach by the waist and hold him back on the sidelines. Like, that's that's what you see him for. But for him to be, he kind of feels like one of the big ticket guys coming in here. And another guy that I am 
trying to get a hold of and get an interview with because I think he's really fascinating. I want to talk to him. But yeah, so we'll see. Um, uh, yeah, what uh, what success is reaped from the efforts that he's making the boys go through. Yeah, I, I'm excited. Do you think as part of the interview process, he could get us like he could start training us? Dude, I kind of need it. I kind of need to get swole. I think it'd kill me. You know, the, people always joke that we should put like ordinary people in like in one of the lanes of the Olympics just to show how fast they are. I, you know what I would watch is average people working out with college football because they, it would be embarrassing. Like, sometimes I watch some, like, the hits they take on the field, like, what they do. Like, they post videos sometimes of them working out. Like, I would die. I wouldn't get up. I just got a new story idea. Day with the football team, Parker Ballantyne. <laughs> don't, don't, don't do that to me. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to throw you in the weight room. See, I'm in see full pads hang. in the weight room because <laughs> I, I'm going to. Yeah, this could be something. <laughs> that could be something. That's must-watch TV. Just this average dude getting his butt kicked by by Paul Jackson. But yeah, he's he's one that it's one of those things you're not going to hear his name as much as you should, but pay attention. Like these these guys are going to they're either going to take the field and get gassed by game 4 or they're going to take the field and be ready to compete each and every game night in, night out. And a lot of that comes down to Paul Jackson and his and his staff. Yeah. So, yeah, plenty more football preview things to get into in the next coming weeks. Like Absolutely. Parker said, we got 53 days. Till, 53 days. till September 4th. As of now. Pullman, yeah. Washington against the Washington State Cougars. That's going to be a test. That's going to be a good game to kick the, kick the season off with. Plenty more to come. Stay tuned for the next, next couple weeks. We're coming at you every week, so stay tuned. And we're going to get into, we're going we're gonna to go over the schedule. We're going to go depth chart. We'll, we'll bring it all to you. So stay tuned, and, and we'll keep it coming. I think that's the good word. I think that's the good word. Uh, make sure you subscribe. Give us a give us a subscription, a rating, or a view. I listen to podcasts, so I know I know this is what you're supposed to ask for. Um, and share us with your friends. Share us with your Utah State friends, and share us with your BYU fan friends because they need help. So go ahead and share us. Yeah. Shout out to Brock Miller. Shout out to Raising Canes. Again, yeah, we haven't heard from Raising Canes, so shout out to Raising Canes, and yeah. of course our weekly shout out to Brock Miller. We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in.